You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. podcast on the hockey podcast network and a reminder not another Leafs podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. download the DraftKings app now new users enter code thpn on sign up bmac leaves coming into a three game series against the canucks that kicks off thursday evening after a little bit of time off just a couple practices after the west coast road trip and toronto's gotta be feeling pretty good with the Canucks rolling into town on basically a three-wheel wagon after a difficult series with Montreal. That's right, man. It was a little deceiving because everyone was saying, oh, the Canucks are starting to turn it around coming into that series against Montreal. Majority of those wins are against the lowly Ottawa Senators. So not (laughs) much to talk about there. They get steamrolled by Montreal, who have continued to turn the heads of many scoring by the bunches and the goal differential continues to balloon in a good way. So this is going to be a really, really tight turnaround for the Vancouver Canucks. When they step foot on the ice tomorrow at Scotiabank arena, it'll be their third game in four nights. So the Leafs have to come out with a ton of swagger and a ton of jump and carry that confidence from how they've been playing thus far this season. No. And I think that you nailed it. It'll be all about, Toronto taking advantage of another team that's been struggling to this point in the season. I think that they've done a good job of that so far, beating up on the Flames, beating up on the Oilers. And now they have another opportunity to really separate themselves against the Canucks and really bury the Canucks, to be quite honest. I mean, this is a team that's now 4-0-1 against the Montreal Canadiens so far this season. And that's certainly not going to cut it against a division rival. Basically, they dropped eight of a possible 10 points to the Habs and the Habs even got the bonus point for taking one of those games into overtime. So certainly Vancouver has not performed up to expectations to this point in the season. And it's not going to get any easier for them as Toronto has looked probably at this point, I think to be the second best team in the Canadian division at this point in the season. 
And be sure to check out our poll right now. It's up on Twitter. How many points will the Leafs get in their three-game series against the Canucks? Three, four, zero, eight. I say they take seven of eight, similar to their Alberta road trip. You have to Is imagine that. Is a three-game series, though? I think it's only three against the Canucks, so it's a possible six. Uh, oh, right. I, I think that the, so yeah, possible so I think that, five of six, pardon me. Yeah, I think that they'll probably be um, four or five, likely. Um, I think the Canucks are a much better team than they've shown to this point in the season. The goaltending hasn't really been there for them. Holtby has looked very porous at times, but Demko's looked good when he's been between the pipes. We noted Quinn Hughes, who's climbing up the ranks right now. I believe he's fifth in the NHL in points for any skaters, so that's a really impressive start. And once Pedersen and Horvat and all these guys get going for the Canucks, they'll figure it out. They're a much better team than their record would indicate at this point in time. And I think it's going to be difficult for Toronto, mainly because in the past, we've seen this happen with the Maple Leafs where there isn't necessarily the sense of urgency that their opposition has. And Vancouver is hungry. They're going to be desperate. They're so far behind at this point in the season that they, they're going to need to get some wins or they're going to find themselves buried in the basement of the division with Ottawa Senators with a very slim hope of being able to crack the postseason, which is even more important in the shortened season, all these points that you're accruing early on is they're going to pay much more, much bigger dividends and there's less time to make up ground. Right. And unfortunately for the Canucks, the season didn't start out ideal. They were losing their top point getter and JT Miller due to COVID protocol. Elias Pettersson was dry out of the gate. I mean, the Leafs have had consistent production, Kenny, from their top guns. Obviously they're missing Thornton and Nick Robertson and their backup Tendi and Jack Campbell for the foreseeable future. But Yesterday at Tuesday's practice, we are recording this Wednesday, Feb 3rd, Nick Patan sliding into the bottom six as Kerfoot was absent due to an undisclosed injury. I'm sure we'll get more clarity as the day moves forward. But more strikingly, Kenny, Wayne Simmons getting a bit of a boost from Sheldon Keefe, earning some more minutes in the top six. I think he can be a huge, huge piece uh, to, to mix things up. Well, Nick Batan, just to build off your prior point, uh, getting a sniff on the fourth line. This is pretty indicative of what Sheldon Keefe has been trying to do with the bottom six forwards is really creates a lot of competition for those jobs. And it seems like unless you come into the lineup and perform lights out, then there's a bunch of different guys there who have relative NHL experience that can slot in. So a good opportunity for Patans playing with uh, Boyd and Spezza on the fourth line. So hopefully you can make the most of that. As for Simmons, Sheldon Keefe was glowing about his player after their West Coast road trip, saying that he was a real standout for the team on the West Coast trip. And certainly because of the injuries to Nick Robertson, to Joe Thornton, that's bumped him up the depth chart a little bit and given him a little bit more ice time. It's given him an opportunity really to show what he's got still in the tank. And I know in past years, he struggled with injuries over the past like couple seasons here, but he seems to be healthy so far this season. And he's definitely been a con- contributing factor to the Maple Leafs now getting paid off with an opportunity to play on that second line with John Tavares and William Nylander. Right. And this is the the value you're getting out of Wayne Simmons. I mean, obviously he's not going to be as sharp as he was in his prime Philly days, but in his Philly days, it was similar to the Leafs. He was playing in the top six on the top PP unit with Voracek and Giroux. So he is able to meld into that role effectively. 
And clearly the rhythm is, is clicking and his confidence is through the roof and he's getting rewarded by it, by his head coach. So hopefully he can, can firm up a spot and, and be uh, really, you know, not, not an important piece offensively, but just to be that gritty guy and to, to really kind of stake his claim in an otherwise weary road trip that the Leafs are going to face in the future. No. And certainly I think that one part that you said there was important and it's confidence. He was never really able to gain that confidence over the past several seasons, whether he was playing in New Jersey, his uh, short stint in Buffalo, they got traded over there and didn't really work out. And whatever, I don't even know how many games he played. There was like 11 games or something, but never fit in really there. And he comes to Toronto understanding the offensive pedigree that they have and the opportunity to really contribute to what a lot of these players who came in in the offseason, Joe Thornton spoke about it as well, to a team that they expect to be able to contend for a Stanley Cup. Now, whether it remains to, it remains to be seen, whether or not they're going to be able to build off of the regular season success that they've had over the last several seasons and really make a push in the playoffs, but a healthy Wayne Simmons who can contribute in the lineup is certainly going to help them do that. And he gives a different elements to that second line, kind of that Zach Hyman presence. I know he doesn't move around as well at this point in his career. That's been the big critique of Simmons is that he's got a little bit of the slower foot speed, but certainly he can still be effective in front of the net. He's got great eyes for the puck can really deflect it. Well, plays that bumper spot on the power play very effectively. And his physical game is still something that you have to be aware of. If you're another team, and he's on the ice that's you, you know, he's going to be finishing his checks. So a good opportunity for Simmons remains to be seen if he'll remain in that spot. Sheldon Keefe saying was, you know, prefacing everything saying, this is just one practice. So we'll see how it goes, but you know, Keefe likes to shuffle the deck on his lines a lot during the game. So I would not be surprised if we saw this look or this little wrinkle a little bit tomorrow night against Vancouver. Meanwhile, like Joe Thornton Robertson back skating, uh, Jack Campbell also progressing well. Uh, basically, these guys are all in the same timeline as was originally outlined by the team. So the fact that they're skating, people shouldn't get too excited. We probably won't see Robertson for at least another two weeks till around Valentine's Day. Um, Joe Thornton, same point in time. So maybe that'll be something to celebrate for Maple Leaf fans on Valentine's Day rather than going out to their favorite restaurant which they are going to be able to do at this point in time. Uh, still no timeline on Campbell, just uh, unspecified amount of time out for weeks with the leg injury. So hopefully he'll be back soon. That's really the only uh, unknown at this point, him and Kerfoot, about when they're going to draw back into the lineup. Right, but it's a blessing in disguise for the Wayne train, man, because Thornton and Robertson, when they're inserted in the lineup, that would inevitably push down Simmons. So he has to take the most of this opportunity considering Thornton and Robertson will be out for the next four weeks. So it's time for Simmons to really stake his claim as a, I don't know, not a bona fide top six, but he, he's going to be having to prove his worth big time in the, in the coming weeks. And, and Keith has been just singing his praises, but switching to the back end, Kenny, the curious case of Rasmus Sandin continues <laughs> this guy. I mean, I was covering him a lot in the world juniors and for a young guy, man, he is a ferocious, ferocious competitor. He just wants to win. When when Sweden got next in the medal round, I remember him speaking with Mark Masters, just cursing, and, and just he was so disappointed in the result. And speaking with the Toronto media a few days ago, you can tell it's weighing on him. And to, to be able to just call yourself an eighth defenseman 
right now and only practice with the team and not really getting a big chance, but it's because the team is performing so well. Keith can't really just toss you in there on a whim. So it's, it's really going to be a, a long haul for, for Sandine considering how much the depth on the back end has improved for the Maple Leafs, but it's only a matter of time and he's still so young. And, and this is really a, a good thing considering that, you know, if the Leafs were in a position where Vancouver sitting or God forbid the Sens are absolutely he'd be in the lineup, but there's just no room for him considering the team is, is been rocking. I have a lot of thoughts on the back end here. I'm going to try to keep the ball organized so I can hit them all. Uh, versus with Rasmus Sandin, to build off your point, this is a player in year two of his NHL career. Defensemen usually take longer to develop than forwards do. It's just a more difficult game. You're adjusting to the speed of the game. It can be more intimidating. You need to be a little bit bigger. It'll have a little bit more physicality usually because the forwards are certainly, you know, where are you going to do if you have a Vander Kane barreling in on you and you're 18 years old, like 170 pounds soaking wet, you know, it just takes time. And that was something that Sheldon Keith was talking to Rasmus Sandin about is he suggested that there is growth to be had. And a lot of the growth to be had he's referring to is off the ice development, making sure that you're hitting the gym, making sure that we're working on the physical aspects of your game rather than just your skill set on the ice, because there's certain aspects that you need at the NHL level and size and strength are two of those things that will come at with age and come with time, but they are inherently aren't going to be given to you, you know, when you're 18 or 19 years old, like you just aren't as big as you're going to be when you're 22, 23 years old, heading into your prime. Um, another thing about this is the depth on the back end right now for Toronto and the way the team's been rolling, as you were saying, how are you going to switch it up? Like, who are you taking out of the lineup? Like if the team's playing well, obviously the top four seems to be solidified with Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall. So that you can play around with the third pairing a little bit. Uh, I know they've plugged Lettinen in. Uh, he's looked okay. Still not really that comfortable. Um, really five on five. It doesn't seem. Uh, Dermot's, although they've been very uh, appreciative and given him a lot of praise about his play, he can't seem to find a really uh, solid spot in the lineup. He seems to be in the rotating door as well. Really, the only solid one on that third pairing has been Zach Bogosian. So a lot of questions, certainly on the back end. I think having the depth, ultimately, as we've talked about before, will prove extremely beneficial because at a certain point, you're going to start hitting the injury bugs. They've hit, a, they've hit the bug a little bit in their forward group, but their decor has remained uh, relatively unscathed to this point. But I would suspect that's when you'll start to see some shuffling around in the lineup. If Muzzin has some missed time or if Riley or Brody or any of these guys – then all of a sudden you have to start relying on the depth players that you have there to be able to draw up and be ready to go and come in. So Rasmus Sandin's time will come, but I would not be concerned at all that he hasn't found a place to draw in right now, especially since the team is winning. Like you don't want to mess with the winning formula. Yeah. yeah. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, you don't just yeah. be like, you know what, let's switch it up. Football. And uh, even though uh, Lettinen and Dermot are playing well, let's just give Sandin a chance. It's like Rasmus, you're going to have to stew on it for a little bit take it as a learning process, take it as a development process and your time will come. But for now, he's just going to have to practice with the club and continue to gain more strength in the gym. Cause that's what Sheldon Keith yeah. was really, really stressing. Alluding on. To. One note on letting in. Uh, and I think this is more from like an organizational standpoint. If you're going to sign these big name 
free agents who are very well sought after in the league. Like everybody was really pissed off. Actually, other GMs were super pissed when Lettinen decided that he was going to sign with Toronto. You have to sort of find a way to get these guys into the lineup and give them an ample opportunity to play. Because if you don't, if you bring them over and they come and sign with the Maple Leafs, then they end up getting busted and, you know, traveling around on the taxi squad or whatever, then they're going to say, screw this and head back to Europe. And then you're going to have a more difficult time signing those, you know, European prospects who are a little bit more mature in age and bringing them over, which is going to be essential for Toronto. They've done a good job with that in the past, but you need to almost find a place for them in the lineup and at least give them the chance to succeed because the optics outwardly, if you don't, are going to make it more difficult for you to pick off some of those big name free agents down the road. If other free agents see, oh yeah, Lettinen came to Toronto and they give him a shot. He just got taxied around during COVID for the whole time and then ended up coming back to the KHL or had to go to another organization. So to a certain extent, I understand why the veteran Miko Lettinen has drawn into the lineup more than their prospect Raspa Sandin, who is under team control. And yeah, that's Miko paid his dues, man. You got to pay your dues. Yeah, exactly. It's an element that people don't consider, right? Exactly, buddy. All right, let's head there around the league because a lot of stuff is rumbling around. All right, we'll begin in Columbus where Patrick Laine made his much-anticipated debut under John Tortorella, and he was a dash two, Kenny. (laughs) And I believe he led all forwards in ice time. But again, that's going to be a a transition period, no doubt, for for Laine as – getting over to Columbus uh, from Winnipeg was a big hurdle. He didn't seem overly enthused when they were asking him with the pregame availability. He was kind of like, yeah, I've watched a couple games. Like the team looks good. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you can kind of tell that he's trying to say the right things, but like Columbus hasn't been overly impressive. I mean, they weren't overly impressive last night. Certainly the goaltending didn't really help them out, but it's, we'll take a little bit of time for line a to adjust to a new system and, Certainly he's going to be the guy now in Columbus. He's their most talented goal scorer. So he's going to be relied on much more than he was in Winnipeg, which will be exciting for the player, but we'll see how it goes down. And as we predicted, he was skating alongside Texier. So we'll see how that center forward duo will, will build moving forward. But again, hopefully line a can start producing because jackets need some scoring up front big time. Sticking with yep. the Scotia North, Evan Bouchard, Kenny, former 10th overall pick in 2018, making his season debut with the Oilers yesterday, picking up an assist. And this is great because the Oilers need to shore up that back end big time. They just have uh, really some weak links back there, aside from Darnell Nurse. So Evan Bouchard hopefully can can kind of well or round out, I should say, the decor group so it'd be nice to see him get a few more games because he he needs to start uh, breaking into this league well he's going to have ample opportunity and we cited at the beginning of the season the Oilers missing Oscar Kleppbaum for the season is a huge huge blow to the organization he didn't have a lot of depth on the back end so him being out offers opportunity to younger players and younger prospects in your pool and Congratulations to Bouchard on making his season debut and the assist in the game. Hopefully he can build on what was, uh, I don't know, I guess a decent first game into and parlay that into more NHL experience this season with the Edmonton Oilers, who certainly look like they're looking for answers on the back end and perhaps in the, the, the goaltending position as well. 
Shea Weber playing his 1,000th career NHL game last night with the Montreal Canadiens. Man, I still look back to that Subban for Weber deal straight up, and now Subban is just buried in the Devils organization, and he is just sitting there for no fantasy owners to pick up. Yeah, remember when this trade happens, and you know I give Mark Bergevin a lot of credit, actually, because when he made this trade, P.K. Subban was God in Montreal. Yes, yes. He was God. He was winning Norris trophies. He was putting up, you know, 60, 70 points a year. And although he'd have the occasional turnover, to say it, put it liberally, uh, he would make up for that with spin moves through the neutral zone and just taking it coast to coast. So now, in hindsight, we can look at the trade and say Montreal definitely won this one. They've gotten one of the most um, decorated defensemen of all time. Uh, my, my, For my money, they were talking about this on Overdrive the other day a sure ballots or a surefire first ballots hall of famer and Shea Weber. And he's worn the sea well for the Montreal Canadiens. It is a big reason why they're the team that's having the most success this year in the Canadian division. And finally, Tyler Toffoli adding insult to injury against his former team league leading ninth goal after the win yesterday against the Canucks. <laughs> I mean, man, if, if you're, Please remind me on the Canucks GM. You you got to be betting. kicking you got to be kicking yourself in the shin right now. I mean, Toffoli. I know he's going to come back to earth at some point, but man, like talk about just sticking it back to your team. The funniest part about this is that he has nine goals on the season, and eight of them have come against the Canucks. That's insane. Come on, <laughs> it's, come it's on. Like, to me, this is just hilarious. And like, I feel for Jimmy Benning and obviously this guy's got a chip on his shoulder, you know, thought he was, should have been kept in free agency. And it's looking like he was a key cog actually in Vancouver's forward group that he's having so much success in Montreal. Clearly Montreal's added some pieces that have really helped out their locker room and to fully continues to have success against his former team. It's been really impressive what he's been able to do so far and the depth scoring in Montreal they're doing it by committee. So even if one guy isn't on on a certain night, they seem to find goals here and there all over the lineup. So very impressive move by Mark Bergevin that continues to pay dividends. And like you said, Jimmy Benning will be pulling out whatever hair he has left on his head at the Toffoli's production against his former team. And we haven't done this segment in a few episodes, but we're doing it today. Let's go to the library bar. Kenny, it's time for a bevy. my dad was very upset that we've been trimming out the library bar lately we've been gaffing it a few times (laughs) yeah he commented and said we need to bring it back so garth from winnipeg the library bar is back for you. Uh, I'm going with uh, NHL player in Dallas, Joe Pavelski. Nice. Because this guy is on an absolute heater. Seven games played so far, 14 points, which I believe puts him at third place in the league behind Dreisaitl and McDavid. The impressive thing for this is that the Stars missed so many games at the beginning of the season and are still you know, significantly behind, three or four games behind some of the other teams in the league and Pavelski has managed to outproduce a number of his counterparts 
to the tune of nine points on the power play and two points a game to this point in the season. Unreal play. And you want to talk about GMs that are kicking themselves. Um, San Jose letting this guy walk was a huge, huge mistake. And he's really injected some life into Dallas's locker room. Uh, Captain America, unreal play by Pavelski so far to this point in the year. And he'll definitely be having a celebratory beverage over Dallas's early season success. I'm going to go with the undrafted stud out of Wichita State. His name is Fred Van Vliet, and he scored 54 points last night, a franchise record just edging DeMar's 52. What an absolute thrilling moment for Fred. I mean, I think he's everybody's favorite player in the city. He is just going to continue to break records, man. He's an absolute stud earning his bank. Fred Van Vliet is joining Joe Pavelski at the library bar. Certainly a good pick, and this might be a good time for tweet of the day if I can figure out where DeMar DeRozan's tweet went. Yeah, he said, congrats to my brother, Freddie V. Kyle's old ass couldn't do it. Glad you did it, man. (laughs) Been telling you. So a little shade from your boy, DeMar, but very happy for his boy, Fred Van Fleet, who resets the Raptors franchise record, which was 52 points by DeMar. Now Fred in sole possession with 54 an unreal performance for Fred and Kyle Lowry also very sneakily and quietly a triple double in that contest. The Raptors quite simply need their best players. And that's Ananobi, Siakam, Van Fleet, Lowry to be on their game every night because they don't have the depth on their roster to win if they aren't going to be. Certainly last night, Fred Van Fleet took control of the game and absolutely just buried Orlando by himself. So congrats to Freddie V. And uh, he'll definitely be enjoying a couple beverages after etching himself into Raptors history. Well, you knocked off your tweet of the day. I, I'm going to go back to uh, the Nuckies. And this tweet's coming from Farhan Walji. Uh, Patterson was joking in the post-game presser saying, Toffoli should have never left here. Or he didn't say a quote, but he, it's paraphrasing, saying, quote, he sucks he has to score all the goals against us. Sounds like a lot of Canucks fans right now at TSN Hockey at <laughs> so that's just a little uh a little stinger a little uh punch to the rib eight goals against his former team that's unreal hey uh i, I know we just already did the around the world segment but what the hell is going on with d'angelo in new york it's a train wreck down there right eh? like this guy gets sent down clears waivers having issues in the locker room like as well documented as issues like off the ice He's just become a total distraction. And it'll be an interesting thing to watch now with the current temperature of the world. If another team ends up making a move and trying to trade for a player, because he can contribute on the ice, certainly, but he's, he's proven himself to be a liability off the ice. Well, you nailed it, man. And it's been an absolute train wreck. And this is a guy who had what? 38 assists last year. He was like top 15, top 10 in, in defenseman and points. And he kind of just flew under the radar in New York. And this really stinks. Some Something must have been just said or blown up because it did involve Alexander Georgiev. And I, I believe it was like a, a physical altercation. And Rangers management is just saying, screw it. We don't want you here. So it's going to be a good piece for another uh, team in the NHL to have. I but- think teams were kind of like, let's see what happens with this guy because they don't know exactly what happens. The Rangers have been pretty quiet on what actually happens. We haven't really heard anything out of the organization. So I think teams were sort of like, well, let's wait and see 
we don't want this to be a situation where we pick this guy up and then we find out he's done all this egregious stuff. We need to sort of uh, take the temperature right now and see what's going on. But the Rangers manager coming out and saying, you know, he's played his last game with the New York Rangers organization and now he'll have to find a new home. Unfortunately, I do think that's like there are going to be a number of suitors for this player because of his skill set. And we've seen this before in other sports organizations ultimately put some organizations put performance on the field or on the ice over conduct off the ice. So I would assume that we'll see Tony D'Angelo in a different uniform playing somewhere else, but certainly what a disaster in New York. And you, you very rarely see this where a top four bona fide defenseman gets is getting moved out of town because these guys are what's most sought after in the league. You know, so strange moving man. offensive defenseman. Yeah, that's right. 15 goals, 38 assists last year, 53 points. I mean, unreal. He had, he had a considerable role on the Rangers and, you know, once this uh, mayhem gets sorted out, he's going to be happy in another home and in an NHL club. And that NHL club is certainly going to be happy to have him. I want to talk about one of you boys real quick and give a quick shout outs to our listeners in Winnipeg. I was watching the Flames Jets the other night. And my goodness, can Kyle Connor rip the puck? Like I was watching him on the power play. He was sitting on that left hash mark. Deja it vu. didn't matter who was passing it to him. He was just ripping it right over Markstrom's shoulder. I believe he had two Parked power it. play goals in the one game. Oh my goodness. Like the release is unreal. And I know we talked about forward depth at the beginning of the year. And oftentimes we don't get the opportunity to see Winnipeg play as much as we'd like to probably being on the East coast, but the all Canadian division has allowed us to see a lot more of these players on any given night. And he's been so impressive for the Winnipeg jets. What a player in Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers as well, man. I mean, they have some, some huge, huge pieces up front that, that will surprise you. And obviously Wheeler and Trifley are spearheading that team, but man, they, they've definitely surrounded their core with some really, really good pieces. So the jets are continuing to uh, climb up the Scotia North. This is also a sidebar, but I'm not sure if we talked about this last time, but the, the Oilers absolutely dismantling, the Ottawa Senators. What what a performance! I mean, I believe McDavid and Drysaddle both tallied up eight points. Now they're far and away, like in the NHL leads. McDavid has twenty-two, Drysaddle has twenty-one. I believe Drysaddle is now a plus ten on the season. It's just a like those code. two players are just are just complete horses for the Oilers. Like it's... by my estimation, like I don't know how you couldn't say they're the two most dominant players in Canada right now, the way that they're playing hockey, but. Teams still can't find the win column. The team so just looks bad. Still. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that they're they're the horses running that team, man. But man, like when they're not on the ice, it's like who am I watching here? Is this yeah, the affiliate? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like you're watching the Orlando Solar Bears. Yeah, out there when when Drysaddle and McDavid aren't on the ice. And Jeff O'Neill was talking about this on Overdrive the other day. He's like, man, when those two guys are on the ice, they're the best team in the NHL. He's like, but then when they do the line change and uh, neither of them is on the ice, all of a sudden they go to they're a ninth AHL level team. Yeah. Where they're just getting completely buried. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, man. That that team is just continuing to confuse me. But yes, they have the two biggest dogs in the league that are just gonna tear up the score sheet. And just a reminder to our listeners that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. So please be sure to 
Use the promo code THPN at sign up for exclusive offers. Kenny, I got a big Premier League game to cover in the next two hours. Man City, top of the table versus Burnley, bottom of the table. You going to be tuning into that so, or what? <laughs> I was watching a game the other day. I don't know who the hell was playing. It was uh, Fulham and I don't know, somebody City. I think it starts with a B. It wasn't Burnley, but uh, Bournemouth maybe. Maybe. Very entertaining game. I think it was like the first half was tail of two halves. First half was going Fulham's way. Second half went the other team's way. Uh, I love a good Premier League match, but I'll probably skip out on this one as I think Pep Guardiola's squad will probably dismantle the worst Burnley squad this afternoon. Man, you with a huge, huge dub yesterday, 9-0. I, oh rare to see five goals in a Premier League or any international match, but nine goals, man. They just yeah, if, them. if you're putting up a goal every 10 minutes in a football match, that's uh that's an unreal efficiency on offense. And they seem to have figured it out. Pogba looks comfortable over there. Good for Manchester United. They haven't really been close to the top of the table in quite some time. So they'll be looking for a champion's berth, certainly this season following uh, what's been a very successful campaign to this point. Uh, I'm going to go continue to watch tape of the Toronto Maple Leafs taking shots on Michael Hutchinson as he was describing the Maple Leafs shooters saying Nylander's shot is deceiving and shot is really hard. Muzzin has a cannon and then a less than sterling endorsement for Mitch Marner saying you can tell Mitch worked on his shot. There's a little more zip. Yes. So and he, also, <laughs> he also changed up his uh, tape job too. So maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, you switch the you switch the flex, you switch the tape job. That's uh, not a bad place to start if you're looking for some new results. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LeasePod at bmccarthy95 at Ken Stapon. Let's settle into a three-game series set between the Knucks and the Leafs. Enjoy.